with his students about the seven feasts of Israel. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to Zola Levitt Live. This is the second show of a set of two. Uh, last week we uh, started the seven feasts of Israel, not so much with me teaching, but quizzing my students from the course that I teach at Dallas Baptist College on Christ in the Old Testament. Now, these young folks uh, 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 really know their stuff, and our point is to show you that this knowledge is not necessarily reposed in, in the Orthodox synagogue. It can be learned at Dallas Baptist College, uh, where, where I teach my course, and I wish you'd come. I, I want to invite uh, the community to come. They've got some pretty big rooms out there, and if uh, uh, you can, come to the spring semester. The first class is on uh, January 13th. And this, of course, will be for 1981. If you're seeing a rerun of this, uh, you're too late. But January 13th, 1981 will be the first class. You need to call uh, Dallas Baptist College and get registered. But you don't have to be a college student. You don't have to uh, take it for credit or make a degree out of it. The community is invited to just uh, participate. You can audit the course. Uh, we'd, we'd really like to fill some seats. And I, I very much have wanted to do this all my life to teach this knowledge, which, which I picked up really in Old Testament study at the synagogue, and teach it to people in the churches so that it will get out. Now, uh, you'll see the students tonight uh, uh, who, have, who have mastered uh, these lessons, and I think have done very, very well, well enough to show them off to you. They know their stuff. Uh, we have some, some fan letters I see on the teleprompter there. Uh, we, we get piles of letters. This one is, is from Ohio, and not, not everyone is a big compliment and so on, but we like to select out just uh, things that, that hit us just right. Uh, lady writes, you have such a great ministry and have given me a better insight to Jewish tradition. I mean that the Bible points out all of it very plainly. It's just nice to hear it expounded on by a believing Jewish person. Uh, yes, uh, th this is this is what we're here for. Indeed, the Bible will give you the knowledge. The knowledge doesn't doesn't come from the Jewish community, but from the Scriptures, which belong to us all. But uh, if I can help, I'm I'm delighted. A letter came from uh, Oklahoma City. Thanks for your enlightenment of the Scriptures through your perspective. The Gentile with Greek thought structure has a hard time understanding how the Jewish peasant arrives at some of the conclusions he does, not to mention the learned men of old. Again, thanks, and may the Holy Spirit continue to guide and provide for you. Is this guy calling me a peasant or a learned man of old? I couldn't tell. Uh, there, there probably is some difference in the Jewish relationship to Scripture and the Gentile even within the church, and uh, we like to make the lessons as clear as we can. Our book offer this week is The Seven Feasts of Israel, and we have the tape with it. Uh, this book has been very, very popular. Uh, a lot of people have ordered it, and they've written and said, do you have it on tape? And I know there are folks that uh, don't, don't read well or don't see well or like to play a tape in the car or something of that kind. Yes, we make tapes of all of our lessons, and uh, we want, want you to try it. So we're offering the book and the tape together on this show. Uh, please send ten dollars to uh, box one two two six eight, Dallas, Texas, 
75225. I suggest $10, although we're really asking for a donation, but to give you an idea of what it costs us to wrap up the book and the tape and to, to mail it to you and to give you the service where you don't have to go to the bookstore and hunt for it and drive your car and so on, uh, we need to have about $10. If you want to send more than that, we can use it to make these shows. Now, I'm going to uh, greet our students again. They are from Dallas Baptist College. And I wanted to mention you don't have to be a Baptist to go to Dallas Baptist College. You don't even have to have white shoes or a leisure suit or anything. You can be a Methodist or anything that you like. Uh, uh, Christians and unbelievers are welcome for that matter. I think you'll see tonight, as we saw last week, that uh, uh, the kids really know their stuff. And then uh, we're going to begin, if you want to get your Bible out and follow with us, all the seven feasts are given in the chapter Leviticus 23. You'll find Leviticus back at the beginning of your Bible, about the third book or so. And uh, uh, we'll start in verse 24 with the Feast of Trumpets because I've already put on the blackboard last week the initial uh, four feasts which we discussed, Passover, Unleavened Bread, first fruits which uh, is is lately called easter for some reason and pentecost now we're going to begin with the fifth feast which is uh the feast of trumpets and that will be leviticus 23 24 if you want to follow along with us so there goes my first question i was going to ask uh, does anybody know the name of the fifth feast and i gave it already let me get out we, we have symbols on our table here of each of the feasts this one for uh trumpets, uh, a shofar, really a ram's horn. This is an authentic ram's horn off a ram. And it, it was the original trumpet of the Bible, and it blows like a trumpet, and I am sure it is the trumpet that we will hear at the time of the rapture of the church. I, I don't think we'll hear a trumpet like Maynard Ferguson's trumpet or <laughs> a brass instrument. I think we'll hear the original. And I noticed before the show, are you ready, Ray? He said, don't do this to him. Before the show, some people can blow this thing and some can't. Okay, I can't. Uh, Ray Ivey here <laughs> was making some pretty good noises on this. You think you can get it going? Try it. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ray, that may be the best show for performance by a Gentile in history. <laughs> that, is, that is the sound of, of a true hunting horn. And this is what they used to use. And, and uh, uh, let me put the, the feast on the board. And I'm going to ask you something about that ram's horn. We, we've made a chart, so we'll just go on and add to it. The fifth feast, trumpets. And uh, who knows when it occurs? Uh, Bill, can we pass the mic back to Bill and tell me when the date of the Feast of Trumpets is? Well, the Feast of Trumpets occurs on the first day of the seventh month. First day, first day of Tishri. The first day of Tishri is quite correct. Passover was on the 14th of Nisan, which happens in, in uh, April. Uh, Unleavened Bread, the second feast, was on the 15th. Uh, first fruits was the Sunday of the week of unleavened bread, so it was somewhere between the 15th and 21st. Pentecost was 50 days later at the beginning of the month of Sivan. We couldn't put a day on it because it's only 50 days after first fruits, and first fruits can move around within this week. And we pointed out last week too 
that our Lord followed these feasts very carefully, even in the culmination of his ministry, in that he was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, resurrected on first fruits, sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And over here I was um, writing up the chart of symbols that go with each feast. Passover, the blood, of course, unleavened bread, this is my body, said the Lord, on first fruits, the resurrection. For Pentecost, we hadn't yet filled in the fact that that is a festival of harvest. Okay, and we had our, uh, our wheat for the harvest, which is the Pentecost uh, uh, harvest, different than first fruits harvest, which is more like flowers and nuts early in the spring. But this is, is getting more solid at Pentecost, and we'll find a trumpet, so a gigantic harvest of all the crops. Now, uh, that trumpet's uh, first day of Tishri, and that would be uh, what time of year? Let's give it to Sylvia. Uh, what time of year does the month of Tishri typically occur? Around about September. Right, in September. And it is uh, uh, referred to as the new year uh, by the Jewish people. Now, can you comment on it, Jane? Um, I think they find it a matter of convenience, probably. Uh, it's a, a happy feast. Yes. And a, probably a time of new beginning. But Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah. I didn't say it quite it. right. <laughs> well, uh, that's not bad Hebrew for a Dallas Baptist college student. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, um, it's wrong to celebrate it then because uh, God gave us the months and the head of the months would be Nisan. That yes. would be the first month. So that should be the new year. Right. Exodus 12, 2 is very clear in the Torah. This is the head of the months to you. Uh, the month of Passover or, or Nisan. So over the time, they've adopted kind of a fiscal year, which is sort of what we've done, say, with the school year. It also starts in September and not in January. And many businesses we have found more convenient. You know where this all started? Because the harvest was in. It was easier to make a new beginning and a new year once you saw how you did in the harvest and, and you could plan ahead. And so it became more convenient. It's not, not a question of apostasy exactly as, as convenience, as, as Jane put it. And so they began to call this New Year's, but that's not correct. It's just plain not correct. And uh, uh, New Year's would be 14 days before Passover or the first day of Nisan, according to Torah. Okay, and, and the ram's horn, which you blew, Ray, can you say where we got the ram's horn as a trumpet to begin with? Well, I think... Um Abraham and Isaac was a good example in the fact that uh, a ram was supplied there as a sacrifice. Um, Caught in the thicket right. by his horn. That's right. That's right. There, there's a, many connotations to the horn. For instance, um, uh, Joshua uh, surrounding Jericho seven times and blowing the horn, uh, and they possessed the land at that point. And then, of course, in the New Testament reference, we would possess our land, the heavenly kingdom, at the point of rapture or the point of the blowing of the trumpet is, is when Christ comes, uh, the voice of the archangel and, and the last trump will sound. We'll possess our Jericho at that particular time. Yeah. Right. Yes, very well put. Uh, Joshua was able to, to bring the chosen people into Jericho. 
Jericho was a very pleasant place. It still is. It has beautiful cold water springs and, and uh, uh, fruits hanging from the trees, uh, uh, grapefruits and oranges and, and flowers. And there were people there who liked Jericho and they had high walls and they were used to attacks from the uh, uh, east bank of the Jordan. And uh, that had been happening since Lot lived in that territory and the Mesopotamian kings had come in and taken those cities. And uh, uh, yet uh, Joshua did not need weapons, he just needed the ram's horn. He just blew the trumpets at it. Can anybody, Tracy, can you remember the story of Gideon and how he used uh, this thing? Well, Gideon defeated the Midianites with the trumpet by blowing the trumpet, and the Midianites thought that there was a much larger army than there actually was. Well, in Judges 7, Gideon used so few men. Can you remember how many was the number? I believe it was 300. 300 troops to chase 135,000 dug-in Midianite horsemen. And he surprised them in the middle of the night. Each man had a trumpet in one hand and, and what in the other hand? Who knows that? Uh, go ahead, Tracy. A pitcher and a base. Uh, a pitcher a was, uh, with what in it? Torch. torch. Yeah, there was, uh, let's uh, give it to uh, Darlene. Do you remember? It was like a clay pot and it had a lamp inside. And this was nighttime, and they surrounded the Midianites. And when the trumpet blew, they threw these pots down, and it broke, and the flame came forth, and it looked like they were surrounded by flame. Yeah. They had a clay jar with, with burning oil inside in one hand, a trumpet in the other. And when they broke the clay jar, the flames went up in the dark, and, and then they blew on the trumpet. Well, a trumpet usually announced a division of troops, not, not just one man. And the Midianites woke up to the sound of 300 trumpets, <laughs> flames everywhere, and thought they were surrounded, got on their horses with their long spears and began riding about in this valley, and the scripture says, killing each other. It wasn't necessary for the 300 to, to do much slaughtering that night because it was almost taken care of for them. And they panicked. A similar scene in the 1967 war, and I'm talking now just 13 years ago, when the Israelis flew over the Syrian positions on the Golan Heights with small single-engine airplanes, kicked barrels of heating oil. They lit them and, and threw them out of the airplane. Boy, you wouldn't throw a barrel of heating oil away today, but it was very effective then. Uh, the whole Galilee sky seemed on fire, and the Syrians retreated from those positions. They thought they were having a nuclear attack. The same thing, the rabbis came up there and said to the times of Gideon, the sword of the Lord. Uh, scared away the troops again with fire in the night. That's all they had. Those planes weren't even armed. Uh, they were private airplanes, a matter of fact, so the story had repeated again. But the trumpet uh, and, and our deliverance, now, Jane, you brought it up in the last show, so we'll pass the microphone to Jane because she can, she can give the scriptures. Uh, where the trumpet's concerned in the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians 4. Uh, 16 and 17. Yes, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Who can quote it? Bill thinks he can quote it. <laughs> it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the uh, sound of the trump. And the with voice, a shout. With a shout. <laughs> and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall be raised. Yeah. And they, we were which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Yeah. The sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel, they also shouted at Jericho. And when the bridegroom picked up his bride, he shouted a warning that he was coming. 
and uh, uh, this the shout therefore and the trumpet come into the rapture of the church or its deliverance to heaven okay now I want to move on uh, to the next feast the symbol for trumpets then the rapture of the church and feast number six who knows what it is who hasn't said anything? Ray, you can't hog the mic the whole time. Let's give it to poor uh, Sylvia. <laughs> Was atonement? The Day of Atonement. And uh, when did it occur, Sylvia? On the 10th day. The 10th day of the same month. That's right. 10th day of Tishri. And that would occur about when? In the September. year? Also, of course, in September. Right. And this past year, in 1980, uh, September 11th was the Feast of Trumpets, and the 20th was the Day of Atonement. Who knows its Hebrew name? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Which simply, that's literally the day of uh, covering, the, the, the day of reconciliation. Uh, we call the 1973 war the, the Yom Kippur War because the Egyptians and the Syrians attacked on the Day of Atonement when everyone was at their fasting and prayers and, and so that turned out to be a longer war. They won't try that again because now the Israelis know that somebody would actually do such a thing and they'll be ready. Uh, now, atonement. How, how would atonement, uh, Wayne, uh, be fulfilled if, if each of these has a fulfillment coming along here for the believers? What about atonement? I would call that redemption. Redemption is correct. When do we get our redemption in the church? Uh, at the time of the rapture. Yes, actually, we don't we don't owe an atonement. Why don't Billy? Uh, uh, the church doesn't feel, according to the scriptures, like it owes an atonement. They used to make blood sacrifices and so on for their sins. But uh, uh, what is the situation with the church and atonement? Okay. Paul tells us <clears throat> that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb and he has covered us with his blood. He, yeah. he died for us and uh, he's, he's already redeemed us. So we don't, we don't need a, an atonement as, right. as a church body. The punishment for sin is death, but there has been a death. And we participate in it, Christ's death, of course. Now, if you don't have Christ, you owe an atonement. And so, uh, what, uh, Jan, can you say what uh, the Jewish people are doing today on Yom Kippur? Well, for from the eve of the ninth day until the eve of the tenth day, they confess their sins for the entire year. And if uh, they commit one sin on that day, they can be banished from the chosen people. This was the Old Testament law, and it's still in effect. If we're still reading Torah and taking it literally, then you get to the synagogue, where it really was supposed to be the temple. From the ninth day at evening, it says... From evening unto evening ye shall afflict your soul, which is confession. And also they fast for the 24 hours, I believe. And they fast. And it's quite serious. It's quite serious. Are the Jewish people uh, doing it pretty much most of them today? I, I believe um, they still try to confess their sins. I don't know if they fast the entire time. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wishy-wash. Depends. <laughs> In the Orthodox synagogue, they're much more likely to really put the time in, really fast, and really confess. 
in the conservative uh, uh, half and half. I was raised conservative. We used to go to the synagogue, say, early that morning. We used to get there at 7 a.m., which was uh, quite a sacrifice in our family, and uh, stay there maybe till 6 in the evening, till the end of the day. And we used to fast the daylight hours. We'd already slept through the night, so that fast was taken care of. So we, we kind of cut it back a little bit. Confession wasn't the theme exactly. Uh, it was the, the lengthy worship that we were giving. We were working hard at it uh, for God's sake. In other words, he would be impressed with all that we were doing. The Reformed synagogue, it goes without saying, isn't doing any of this. And, and like the liberal Christian church has just lost the Bible, lost the laws, not practicing anything. Uh, <coughs> when I uh, think about atonement, for uh, the Jewish people, though, and the fact that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Let's, let's um, give it back up here to Darlene. Um, <clears throat> will they ultimately be able to make an atonement? What will happen? It's their feast. Yes, uh, Zechariah prophesied uh, that when the Lord came back on the Day of Atonement, they would look upon him and mourn for him as for an only begotten son. and they will, to a man, be saved, and that will be their final atonement. Yes, Zechariah 12.10, uh, they shall look upon me whom they've pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. This is in the Old Testament. They will realize he is their son. They'll talk about, uh, Tracy, they'll talk about um, when he comes, the wounds in his hands. From, from being nailed to the cross, and he will say... And he will say that he received those wounds in the house of his friends, and that scripture references Zechariah 13, 6. Good night. He was ready for that question. <laughs> Zechariah 13, 6, I, I got these wounds from in the house of my friends. It will all reconcile in a beautiful way. He doesn't come back angry, but he comes back with atonement. And when they look upon him whom they've pierced, it says, A fount of cleansing will be opened unto the house of David. Uh, Zechariah 13.1. And so they all will finally get their atonement. And then, uh, uh, so, you know, we say all Israel will be saved. Well, uh, some people say then we don't have to witness to the Jews now. Not so. <laughs> uh, uh, because only the survivors who see Jesus come would be saved. It, it's awful to tell your Jewish neighbor he's got to survive through Armageddon, the Antichrist, the tribulation period until Jesus comes, then look at him, then be saved. Oh, how much simpler if he'll come to his Messiah now, uh, like I have, and, and know the feeling of salvation in this life. And, and how much more reasonable to, to be with God than, than to put it off. Um, Ray, I, I remember on the final exam you were able to give New Testament scripture for the salvation of the Jews uh, when Christ returns. you remember the reference? Sure it was me. <laughs> sure it was you. It was in Romans. Paul said... Maybe it wasn't Ray. I don't think it was. <laughs> Who knows the verse that Paul said? You try it. Was it you, Bill? It wasn't me, but the verse is Romans 11:26. Romans 11:26. Therefore, all Israel shall be saved. Yeah, when the deliverer shall come out of, out of Zion. Zion. Don't you remember that? Yeah, you said it last night. <laughs> they had their final exam last night, and they did super. Uh, I never gave so many A's in a course, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Uh, and, and again, I want to make the point, these, the, the, none of you ever studied in a synagogue. None of you ever studied this material before this course. 
you never had a Sunday school course on the seven feasts of Israel. <laughs> Uh, the point is they've come to 14 classes and they know this stuff and they know it for life and as you see they know it well. Uh, I did not either select from the class the bright people. Uh, uh, some of these folks are auditors, they come of all ages and so on. Some are from the community and not registered regular students. Uh, and you can verify that for me. I merely asked the class who could come, right? I might have gotten a selection of the dumbest students. Uh, <laughs> but as people can plainly see, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Now, we had the trumpet for um, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, for the Day of Atonement, oh, we might show uh, the law and the Torah, and I pick it up carefully. Uh, the Torah is, is the first five books of the Bible. It's in here in scrolls in a beautiful, beautiful cover. And I don't want to drop it because the law provides I'll be fasting 40 days. It's a familiar figure, uh, the same amount of time that Jesus fasted. But here is the law in Hebrew, and it's read uh, to certify all of these things. And taken out, uh, particularly it's read on the Day of Atonement because the law for the Day of Atonement is tough. You could be killed that day. Uh, you could lose your... Uh, uh, salvation or your chance for salvation on that day by breaking one of the laws. So it's read at length on the Day of Atonement and on all other uh, festivals too. And uh, we have a little lamb that comes, can we get a shot of this? This is a mighty little lamb made of olive wood, comes from Bethlehem, provided to us by a friend of the show so that we could show some symbol for the Day of Atonement. Uh, on the Day of Atonement, what was uh, the observance? What did the priest do? Who's got a microphone? Uh, Billy, what the, all right, Tony, we haven't called on you yet. Uh, what did the priest do on the Day of Atonement? Well, actually, Zola, he uh, sacrificed two lambs, one for himself. As I'll he went say goats, not lambs. But <laughs> As he went into the uh, Holy of Holies, he sacrificed one for himself. And after he was, after he committed his atonement, and he sacrificed one for all his people. Okay, we're about out of time. The last feast so I can complete my chart is what, um, Sylvia? <laughs> Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, and it occurs when? 15th. On the 15th of the month, symbolic of? The kingdom. kingdom. Billy, say it into the microphone, then they can hear you. Kingdom. <laughs> when the Lord's Tabernacle will be here among us. And as uh, symbolic of the tabernacle, I have uh, the mitre worn by the high priest. And uh, I wear this when I do a Passover teaching or something of that kind. So that's the seven feasts, and that's the students of Dallas Baptist College to show you what they know about. I urge you again, uh, take the course if you can. Uh, sign up by January 13th, 1981, and send to us for the book. The Seven Feasts of Israel and the tape that goes with it, Passover and the other uh, Jewish feasts, send $10 to Box 12268, Dallas, Texas, 75225. And remember, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Give us a new